Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Have you ever changed your name or had a name change? I know ladies who get married change their names. But it's not that common for others to change their names. And yet in the Bible, it's quite a common occurrence. But Abraham's name change was an interesting one. It was a tiny change. If I said to you, my name's Abraham, or I said, my name's Abraham, you might not even notice the difference. Tiny little difference. And in Hebrew, you know, we write a name with the vowels and the consonants. So we go A-B-R-A-H-A-M. We, we put all the letters. But in Hebrew, they just put the consonants. So his name in Hebrew is A-B-R-M. It's just four letters, Abram. And you've got to work out what the consonants are for yourself. And then God just added a letter H in the middle there. He just added one tiny little letter. And in Hebrew, when they write it, they often make that H smaller than all the other letters for some reason. It was a small addition. And did you know that Sarai, his wife, also got her name changed on the same day? Very interesting. And did you know that her name change was also the addition of a little H? But God took out a letter out of her name. So her name was S-R-Y, Sarai. And it changed, the Y got taken out and an H got put in, so it became Sarah. But again, you wouldn't have noticed if you've met her, hello, I'm Sarai, hello, I'm Sarah. I mean, you couldn't really tell the difference, but for them, something changed significantly. And what I want to talk about today is I'm asking you the question, have you had your core identity, that idea of who you are, changed like Abraham and Sarah did on that one day because what happened was when their name was changed, everything changed. A year later, at the age of 90, Sarah gave birth. Everything changed. For all those years up until that point, they'd had promises from God of His love, His blessing, His identity upon them. I mean, a whole lot of God's power was released in their lives but it took that event when Abraham was 99 and Sarah was 90, the circumcision and the covenant and the change of name, it took that event for the floodgates of blessing to be burst open. And then she conceived a child when she was way past the age of conceiving. So let's read Genesis 17. I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'm just going to read the relevant verses. Verse 5. God said, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. So the name Abram means exalted father, but it was given to him by his idol-worshipping pagan father, Terah. 99 years earlier, Terah who was not a worshiper of God, had had a son, and he'd said, what should I call him? I'm going to call him Exalted Father. Now, there is some debate. Some people say he was calling him that because he wanted his new baby to be an Exalted Father. Other people say Terah was calling him that because Terah wanted the glory for himself. He said, I am now an Exalted Father. 
I don't know which it is, but the point is, Terah, Abraham's unbelieving father, gave him a name, and it meant exalted father. God just added a little H, and it became father of many nations. You say, that's a tiny change. I want to say to you that I've seen people who in one church service, a little drop of God's revelation has come into their minds and hearts. A little H has been added to their life. Other people don't even realize. Abraham, Abraham, it's not, not a big difference. Exalted father, father of many. It's not a big difference, but I've seen their lives change from that point because they got a revelation of who they really were on the inside. And I'm trusting and believing for that today. Verse 15 of that same passage says, Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her, and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. And verse 21 says, Sarah shall bear you a son this time next year. So Sarai means my princess. Interestingly enough, Sarai was very closely related to Abraham. She was either his half-sister or his niece. We're not exactly sure. They were in a fairly close relation. You might say to me, that sounds like incest. What's going on with people marrying their close relatives in the Old Testament? Okay, I'm going to quickly explain this. I'm not going to make this a big topic. The further you get back, the closer you get to Adam and Eve, the purer the human genome is. And so there is no genetic problems with close relatives marrying each other. But as sin infects the human race, and as time goes on, it gets worse and worse and worse. We are not evolving, we are devolving. Adam and Eve were the pinnacle, and we, because of sin, are more and more sickness and sin is coming into our bodies. And that's why it's no longer okay for close relatives to marry, because there'll be genetic disease. Anyway, little side point. But what I wanted to say is that the same terror... The father who named Abraham was the same one who gave Sarai her name, my princess. And it's important that he said my princess because she felt she was linked to him and his family. But when her name changed to Sarah, it changed to the princess of the whole world. And suddenly she started looking outwards and she realized, I'm not bound by terror and this family anymore. I've got a bigger identity. So I want to mention three things that will affect your identity and mine. And at the end, we're going to try and have a renaming ceremony. Now, let me be clear. I'm hoping we don't all go down to the legal office in town and change our names tomorrow. Because it's an internal thing. Abraham to Abraham. It's a small change, but it's it's what's inside that changes. Your perception of yourself. And for Abraham... And Sarah, it happened when God said, he had said to them before, you are blessed. You will be blessed. You will have many children. He'd said all these things. I'm your shield. I'm your reward. He'd blessed them and told them their identity. But it took for him to say, I am renaming you for the penny to drop. And I'm praying that today it drops for us. Amen? So the first thing 
that determines your identity is who do you trust to name you? You see, when you were a baby, your parents named you and you had no say over the matter. There is no chance that a parent waits for the baby to be born and says to them, what do you want to be called? That never happens, ever. It sometimes happens where the parents don't know what to name the child, and so for the first week or two, they're just called baby. Have you come across that one? My wife and I, when our daughter was born, we had no idea what to name her. No idea at all. For the other two, the two boys, we had names lined up. You know what it's like as new parents? You get all the names and you have discussions and you look up the meanings of the names and you argue and there's a whole process. For our daughter, Ashley, we had no idea what to call her. And the minute she was born, I looked at her and my wife looked at her and I turned to my wife, I said, I've got a name. It, just, it wasn't a name we'd been thinking of. And she said, so have I. And we said it at the same time and it was the same name. It was just the weirdest thing. But... Um, the, the point I want to make is the parents have the right and the duty and the authority to name you. And when they name you, they're saying, this is how everyone else will know you. This is how you will know yourself. And this is what we hope you become. It's an important job. And Terah, the pagan idol-worshipping father, had named Abraham and Sarah Abram and Sarai, my princess, exalted father, they had named, he had named them, and he had the right, and it took them 99 years to break the shackles of the, the idea that that man, Terah, is the one who has the authority over me, and the one who can tell me who I really am, and actually, it's God. Have you had that breakthrough yet? Have you come to the point where you say, God, please listen to me now where you say, God, I trust your opinion of me and who you say I am more than what mom and dad say, auntie and uncle say, the government says, my teachers say, my boss says, my friends say, even what I say, God, you know better than everyone else who I really am. Isn't that an important breakthrough? It's where you come to the point where you say, God, all these last however many years, I've had a perception of myself and an idea of who I am based on what others have told me, but today I'm deciding what you say. You know what's who I am, God. You know who I am. The second important factor in your identity is an idea of who you really are on the inside, your nature. Because especially in Bible times, your name was a descriptor of you on the inside. Nowadays, it's not so much. People are called Storm, India, Jazzle, I mean, you name it. And it's got no relation to who they are on the inside. And that's okay. But in Bible times, the name was a descriptor of who you really are on the inside. And your idea of who you really are is so important. And that was the big thing that changed for Abraham and Sarah. They changed their idea of who they were. For Sarah, she had thought, I am Terah's princess. I, he's the only one who sees me as a princess. Everyone else sees me as something else. And suddenly God said, no, you're the world's princess. And she changed her perception of who she was on the inside. 
for Abraham, exalted father. Okay, maybe he thought he was an exalted father, but he had no kids. And suddenly he changed his perception. He said, wow, that's who I really am. It's like looking into a mirror for the first time and seeing yourself. And that's what happened to Abraham and Sarah. They'd been looking for the longest time and they'd been seeing what other people said they were. And suddenly the light changed. God shone the light and they said, wow, is that who I really am? But I don't feel like the princess of the world. I don't feel like the father of many nations. I feel like something else. My failures tell me who I am or, or whatever. But they changed and they started to see who their real identity was. Now, this is very important for us as Christians because you have three parts to you as a human being. You have your outward flesh, your body, your physical matter, and you can look at that to decide who you really are, but the problem is that is not a reflection of who you really are. Your body can change, but it doesn't change who you really are. So then you go a level inside. You go to the second level of being a human, and that's your character, your soul, your mind, your personality, your emotions. And you say, that's who I really am. I feel angry. I feel happy. I feel whatever. And, and I think, and my personality is who I really am. And others tell you, but you know your personality, and you say, this is who I really am. I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. I know I love you, I always will. My mind's made up by the way that I feel. We, we say, my feelings tell me who I am. The mirror that I look in to say, who am I is my feelings. And Abraham and Sarah probably had that for 99 years, but then they went a level deeper and they said, you know what, there's a real me on the inside that I can't always feel. I can't see, that's for sure, but it's my spirit. And God says who my spirit is. And I'm choosing to stop looking at the mirror of my flesh or the mirror of my personality. I'm looking at the mirror of who I am on the inside. Because the Bible says the inside of you, your spirit is made into a brand new creation. Just like Jesus when you become a believer. And when you start looking in that mirror... Every day, everything changes. Everything changes. You know, when you tell a person they've got a new identity, often they will change and become the identity they have. And when you start to see yourself as God sees you, even though maybe the habit of many years has been different or maybe your senses tell you different, but when you start to see yourself as who God says you are, you change and become like that image. And that's what happened with Abraham and Sarah. God says, Abraham, you are the father of many nations. Suddenly, a miraculous thing can happen. He can, have a he can conceive a child. His wife can, can give birth to a child. Sarah, you are the princess of the whole world. Wow, suddenly a dead womb and a dead body and just physically impossible things are overturned. Why? Because she tapped in to her real identity on the inside that she couldn't necessarily feel. And then the last thing, and this one I love. Your identity comes from who you associate yourself with. So... Abraham and Sarah had identified or associated themselves with Terah 
and Lot, you know, their family that they brought out of their original home, Ur of the Chaldeans, that's who they linked themselves with. When people said, who are you? They immediately thought of themselves as part of a group called Terah and Lot and Abraham's family. And over this period of years, God changed it so that they started to associate with God and with each other. So Lot left, Terah died. They then associated with Hagar, the servant girl. Then they separated from her. For a while, they associated with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, but God made them separate from him. Abimelech, a king of another land, then they separated until they associated with God because God said, I'm putting the H of my name into you and this is who you are. You are now one of my people. You are no longer one of that family, that race, that company, that background, that identity, that sexual orientation. That's not who you are. You are mine. That's your identity. Who do you identify as? When you on social media, you put a little descriptor of yourself. Is it your nationality? I am Ugandan. Is it your job? I am an accountant. Is it where you studied? I studied at Fantastic College. Is it your preference in food? I am a vegan. Is it your sporting preference? I am a rugby player. What is it? Because until it comes to the place where you associate first as the H of God is who I am. You say, Greg, why are you going on about the H of God? Right, you ready to have a little exciting lesson in Hebrew? Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. And Moses said to God, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And that is two Hebrew words, one after the other. Haya, haya. H-Y-H, H-Y-H. Remember, Hebrew writes differently. Haya, haya. H-Y-H, haya. It's like breathy. It's a weird little haya. Haya, haya. Two little breathy sounds. Thus you shall say to the children, I am, haya has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, and this is where the English Bible confuses us. Then you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers has sent me. And it's L-O-R-D in capital letters. Whenever you see L-O-R-D in capital letters in your Bible, it is the word Yahweh. Y-H-W-H. Which sounds very much like H-Y-H. This whole little encounter with God and Moses was a lot of breathy sounds coming out. Who shall I say sent me? Haya sent me. And you shall say, my name is Haya God. Yahweh. We're not sure what the name is. All we know is there's Y and an H and a W and an H. And it's a breathy sound because God is a spirit. He's saying, I am. I exist in the eternal present of eternity. I am who I am. Nothing can change me. Yahweh sounds like I am who I am. And he says, this is who I am. But he's also saying, breath. 
The word for spirit in the Old and the New Testament is breath. Ruach and pneuma. So now you see why when God puts a little H in someone's name, he's saying, I am who I am and you are related to who I am. Do you see that? Do you see what God was doing? He was saying, you are Abram, you are Sarai, let's put H in the middle. Let's put me, the, the presence of God, the spirit of God, the identity of God in you. And now watch this. Abraham is no longer linked to Terah and Lot and Pharaoh and Hagar and all these people he was linked to. He can still know them. He can still say, hello, how are you? But his primary identity is I am God's. Sarai on the same day has the same experience. She says, I am God's. And together they are now linked to each other and you get this amazing unity. Abraham, Sarai and God and you get this trinity. Ecclesiastes says a cord of two strands, two, can, two are better than one. They can keep each other warm when they're in trouble. They can look after each other. It talks about two are better than one. But then at the end it says, but a cord of three strands cannot be broken. A husband and wife is a great partnership. But when you put God in the middle and they say our identity is H, is God, the spirit, the identity, the presence of God, suddenly you get something that cannot be broken. So what makes your identity? Who you trust to tell you who you are. Who you think your real nature is, whether it's the outside or the inside. And who you associate with and who you identify with. Now I want to close by just telling you who God says you are. Galatians 3.29, if you are Christ's, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Time to give in that passport, that identity document that says, this is who I am, and say, God, I'm taking your identity, your citizenship, your family line from today. I'm a new person. 1, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God, all those failures and successes of my past that I've used to identify who I am, God, they've passed away. I'm a new person today. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God. You say, I don't feel righteous. God says, that's your name. That's who you are. If you take me and my spirit and my identity into your heart, that's who you become. You become righteous. I see you as righteous. Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm not a guilty person. You know, many of us, we become Christians, and this is what we think wrongly. We think, I am a bad person trying to get into heaven. Let me say that again. Many of us become Christians and we wrongly think, I am a bad person trying to get into heaven. God says, you're a good person trying to retrain the habits of many years living apart from me. You've got the spirit, the righteousness, the power of God inside of you. You're not a bad person trying to get to heaven. Your spirit is already saved and you're just trying to retrain the rest of your body. Amen?
Ephesians 1 verse 6. He has made us accepted in the beloved. He has made us accepted in the beloved. God loves you. That same phrase, accepted in the beloved, is exactly the words that the angel said to Mary. He said, Hail Mary, you are highly favored. Highly favored, accepted in the beloved. You are accepted and loved by God. You're part of a family. There's another verse that's linked to that. It's Ephesians chapter 3. And it says, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth, in heaven and earth, is named. I'm part of a family that is named after God and Christ. The part of the family are in heaven, part of the family are on earth, but that is who I am. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm part of God's identity, part of God's family. There's a long passage in Ephesians 1, verse 17 onwards, where Paul is praying for the Ephesians. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart or the eyes of your understanding would be open, that you would see the power of God towards you. And then he tries to describe it. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to paraphrase it. He says, the power that you have is like the power that raised Christ from the dead. It says, Jesus was a dead, cold, lifeless corpse, and God's power came into him. It energized him. It brought him back to life. He stood up, and then it says, and then he rose up to heaven, and he sat on a throne in heaven with all authority, names, principalities, powers under his feet. And that's the end of chapter 1, so we often stop there. But it goes on. Chapter 2, verse 1. There's no chapter breaks in the Bible. It shouldn't be there. He says, the power that you have is like the power that raised Christ, lifted him all the way to heaven. He's seated on the throne. He's got all principalities under his feet. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says, and as for you, you were dead in your transgressions. Christ raised you up. And in verse 6 of chapter 2, it says, and you are seated in heavenly places on a throne with Christ. Now, if you could look in a mirror and see yourself as that identity, I promise you the change that happened to Abraham and Sarah will happen to you. You see, the problem is not that God hasn't done what he's going to do. The problem is we haven't identified with it yet. We haven't seen it. We still believe what the mirror says, what others say, what our father or mother say, what our background says, and God says, Get a new name. Get God's ah, inside of you. And you'll be changed forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.